This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. 1 Samuel chapter number 23 this morning, 1 Samuel chapter number 23, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, we'll read through verse uh, number 13. In chapter number 22, we saw that uh, Saul had, in his rage and fury, uh, put to death the priests of the city of Nob. Not only did he put those priests to death, 85 of them, all told, but he uh, had Doeg uh, go to Nob, the city of the priests, where he smote not only the priests, but their wives, their children, and all of their animals. It was a terrible situation. And of course, Abiathar had fled to David to tell him the news of what had happened. David and his men uh, had assembled there, of course, in the cave of Adullam. And uh, David didn't have the men necessarily when he got there, but the men joined him. And uh, you'll remember what a crew it was that joined him, right? The Bible says in chapter 22 and verse 2, everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. What a crew he had there in the cave. And uh, the old saying is misery loves company, right? And They'd found their captain, and God was working in the life of David and made him a captain. And, of course, as a captain, he was going to learn uh, to be a king. And, of course, David, as I mentioned earlier, this not only speaks historically of him, but it speaks prophetically of Christ, who is the captain of our salvation, the author and the finisher of our faith. But we come to chapter number 23. And the days are not getting any easier for David or for his men. And oftentimes we can relate to that, can we not, in the struggles of our daily lives. But God is teaching David something that I think will be a very valuable lesson for all of us. And I want you to see it in verse number one. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. And Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. 
And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him, and he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down, as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant, and the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah, and he forbore to go forth. I want you to notice what we read in verse number 2. The Bible says, Therefore David inquired of the Lord. David had heard the report that the Philistines were robbing the threshing floors of Keilah. Keilah was a city of Israel located in the northern part of Judah along the border of the land of the Philistines. You remember Saul is the king. He is a Benjamite. He's a rejected king. Once anointed, he's refused to obey God. God has rejected him. And uh, Saul has an interest no longer in defending the nation. He's defending himself. He's defending his position, not his people. David, of course, is one of the children of the tribe of Judah. And so Saul does not seemingly get involved in this situation. We're not clear if he even knew of it. But we do know that when there was trouble, they didn't even take the news to Saul. They took it to David. David, of course, in his heart, a man after God's own heart, had a desire in his heart to save the inhabitants of the city. But he had learned in a very difficult way through a series of painful lessons that he must not presume to go and do anything but he is learning now to seek the counsel of the Lord. That's what the Bible says here in verse 2. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, and his question, shall I go and smite these Philistines? It reveals what was in his heart, and what was in his heart was an admirable thing. He desired to defend these dear people of Keilah. At least they were dear in, in the fact that they were a part of the nation of Israel. As we read, we're going to find that later on, the men of Keilah, in their fear of Saul, would even willingly betray David. But nevertheless, David finds in his heart a love for God and love for his people, and so therefore he is prepared to go. But before he goes, he seeks the Lord. Now we think of what happened and what transpired in chapter number 21 when David went uh, in his haste to flee from Saul he fled to Gath, a city of the Philistines. He perhaps thought he could blend in there in the city and, and hide out for a while and be safe from Saul, but the Philistines knew exactly who he was. They said, this is the anointed king. He's going to be the guy that rules over all of Israel. And so they went to bring him to Achish, and David feigned himself mad in the presence of Achish the king of the Philistines. And Achish said, I don't have any need for a madman around here. Get him out of here. And God delivered David 
from that fretful situation. All the while, as we read the Psalms, we find that while David was there, after he'd been discovered, he was praying. While he feigned himself a madman in his heart, he's praying, crying out to God to deliver him. Lord, get me out of this situation. Have you ever been in one of those situations? You, you, you stumbled into it somehow. <laughs> And you find yourself in the middle of it. Maybe you went headlong into it. You find yourself in the middle of it. And when you get there, you realize, well, I'm, I messed up. And so he began to pray and God delivered him. Now David is learning. I'm not going to repeat that same mistake. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to make sure that what I'm doing is what God wants me to do. So he didn't just make a decision for himself, although it was an admirable desire in his heart to go defend the city of Keilah. He made sure that God was directing him. And the Lord said, yes, go ahead. And then David gathered his men and said, hey, fellas, we're going to fight. We're going to defend the city of Keilah. And those, those guys said, hey, wait a minute, David, wait a minute. You, you want us? We're, we're running from Saul. By the way, the 400, as we learned at the close of this chapter, had now become 600. You want us, this group that's distressed and, and discouraged and in debt, you, you want us to go fight the Philistines? They've got a trained army. There's no way we can take them. We're, we're running from Saul. Now you want us to go fight them? And so David, in verse number 4, inquired of the Lord yet again. And then we read in verse uh, number 9 and verse number 10, and 11, that once David learned that Saul had discovered that he was in Keilah, that David inquired of the Lord yet again. God is teaching David a very valuable lesson, a lesson that all of us need to learn, and that is that we need the Lord. We need to seek him, and we need to follow him. The Proverbs, of course, we credit much of to Solomon. The Proverbs are a series of, of truths that uh, a father has passed on to his son. Today's Father's Day, and uh, may God help us to understand, gentlemen, our responsibility to teach our children the truth of God's Word. And I can just see David uh, perhaps talking with Solomon and, and maybe some of the other uh, children in the palace and he repeats these words that we find recorded in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. You see, when we're leaning on our own understanding, it gets us in a lot of trouble, doesn't it? We say, well, you know, it looks pretty obvious to me what we should do. Well, it may look obvious to you, but you better find out what God has to say about the situation. In every decision that we make, every road that we go down, every challenge that we face, every dilemma that is presented to us, every danger and every snare, I'm glad to know that God is there. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. I want to tell you there's a lot of things I don't know. And I need help from God. You see, the great, the great sin in our prayerlessness is our pride. The reason we don't pray is because we don't understand, we don't acknowledge that we need God. And David has learned that he needs God every step 
of the way. And so you can hear him, can't you, as he speaks to his young son, Solomon? I think Solomon had his notebook open that day. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Are you willing to do that? In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I think about young people graduating from high school, preparing to go to college. They've got their whole life in their mind. It's all mapped out. Maybe they're getting ready to get married, or maybe they're getting their first job or making a move. And in their mind, everything is all worked out. They've got a plan. It's all prescribed. They've all got it mapped out. But I want you to know there is one who does have it mapped out, and he's a lot wiser than you are. And if you know him, he's your Lord and your Savior. He loves you. His plan is best in all your ways. Let me encourage you to acknowledge him in every decision. About a relationship, yes. About a job opportunity, acknowledge him. A difficult day in your life, a difficult day in your marriage, a difficult day with your children, in all thy ways acknowledge him. A tough day at work, in all thy ways acknowledge him. And what did he promise to do? He shall direct thy paths. I think Solomon had his notebook open that day. David said, I want you to know how I learned that lesson. I found myself in the land of the Philistines, and I had to pretend like I was a a madman. And, oh, I cried out in fear and asked God to deliver me, and he did. And I'll tell you, Solomon, when I got out of that mess, I decided I wasn't going to make another decision unless I knew what God wanted me to do. And Solomon, I want you to know that if you want to inquire of the Lord, he'll hear your prayer. And if you'll wait upon the Lord and you'll trust him and if you'll acknowledge him in all of your ways, he will direct your paths. By the way, I've got some good news for you. If you've gotten off the path and you find yourself in a place you never imagined that you would be, God in his mercy and grace can bring you off that path and get you right back on the right one. Just trust him. He'll do it. So we take for our title this morning, David inquired of the Lord. And we see some things surrounding this inquiry that I want you to note. I'll give you five of them, but we'll have to move quickly, all right? Number one, David's foes. David's foes. Notice, if you would please, in verse 1, Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors. These were the natural foes of the Israelites, the Philistines. They had plagued Israel for years, and they had come against the city of Keilah, again, located near the western border of Judah, near the edge of the Philistine territory, just a a little way south of the cave of Dullam. And why had they come? They had come to rob the people of their harvest. And when they had come, the news did not necessarily, I guess, get to Saul, and if it did, he didn't do anything about it. In fact, Saul is not willing to go to Keilah until he finds out not that the Philistines are there, but that David is there. But when David hears it, in his heart, he knows, I need to go and deliver these people. I want to tell you that Satan is active in this world. 
we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against a much greater force, don't we? Satan and his demonic hosts are working to deceive and to blind the minds of those who should believe the gospel of Christ. He's bringing people into bondage. We live in a world that is wrecked and ruined by sin, and we see that the devil desires to rob God's people of his blessings and his provisions. David could not stand idly by, and so he asked the question in verse 2, shall I go? By the way, that'd be a good question for you to ask this morning. Shall I go? Lord, what is it that you would have for me to do? The prophet said, here am I, Lord, send me. Nehemiah said, Lord, uh, prosper this day this man in the sight of the king. He said, Lord, I'm ready. I'm willing to go. Do you want me to go? If you want me to go, would you make it possible? That's what David is praying here. Shall I go? It's in my heart. I want to go defend the people of Israel because I'm the man that you've chosen, the man after your own heart, the man that's in place, has no heart for the people of God, but I do. And by the way, let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have a heart for the work of God and the people of God? Do you have a heart for this community and the lost and dying who have never heard the message of the gospel, who do not know the Lord Jesus, and when they close their eyes in death, are headed for an eternity in a place called hell. Does that disturb you? Does that bother you? And it does it so to the degree that you're willing to say to the Lord, what do you want me to do about it? Shall I go? David's foes facilitated this question. Shall I go? And the Lord gave the answer, did he not? Go and smite the Philistines, and save Keilah. Now, really, we get a glimpse here into the lives of these men who had joined David in the cave and what they were doing. They weren't just a band of misfits on the run. No, these were men who were burdened, oppressed by Saul and his regime, but they were men who had a heart for God. Fast forward with me, if you would, to chapter 25. Would you find that, chapter 25? In verse number 15, David has requested that Nabal make provision for him and his men. And we'll learn of that in in a few days as we study it. But I want you to notice in verse 15 the testimony of Nabal's servants concerning David and this group of men that had joined themselves to him. What was their activity? What is it that they were doing? Notice the testimony of Nabal's servant, verse 15. But the men, he's speaking to Nabal's wife, by the way. He says, but the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything. As long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields, they were a wall unto us both by night and day. All the while we were with them. And and those who would do us harm or those who would steal our master's goods. David and his men were protectors. They were fighting against the enemies of God, David's foes. And I want you to know that we have an enemy, an adversary, who as a roaring lion is walking about seeking whom he may devour. We're in a spiritual conflict with him, and that conflict is raging daily. 
and it never goes away, friends. That's why we need the Lord. That's why we need to inquire of the Lord. We see David's foes. Secondly, I want you to see David's fears. David's fears. David had heard the report from the Lord. The Lord said, yes, go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. So he gathers his men up. We're not sure exactly what the number was at this point, somewhere between four and 600. Uh, but let's imagine if it were the 600. Fellas, it's time to go fight. But notice in verse 3, and David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? David's men said, Wait a minute, David, you don't understand something. We don't want to go fight the Philistines. They are a lot stronger than we are. They're better organized. They've got better weaponry than we do. There's more of them. They're a stronger force. I mean, here we are running from our, for our lives from Saul. And you want us to go fight the armies of the Philistines? No way. They were afraid. You know, fear is a natural human response, isn't it? It's a natural human response. Uh, fear caused Saul earlier in the army of Israel to tremble at the presence of Goliath. That ugly giant standing in the valley of Elah, shaking his fist in the face of God and the men of Israel, saying, I defy the armies of the living God. Fear forced the masses to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. The Bible tells us there were only three that day who didn't. Just three. But the rest did. Fear prevented many who believed in Jesus during his earthly life and ministry from expressing their faith in him. They were afraid to be kicked out of the synagogue. or They were afraid that they would lose their position in Israel. Fear caused many of the disciples to forsake the Lord Jesus. And fear prevents many of us from speaking out about our faith in him. Just to take a gospel booklet and leave it in a neighbor's door brings fear into our hearts, does it not? Why is that? Because our flesh resists the work of the Spirit. There is fear within us, fear that I won't be received well, fear that I won't know exactly how to say things, fear that I'll fail. When, when called upon to make a step of faith, to, to go into an unknown, to put yourself in a position beyond your ability to do and perform, where there must be total dependence upon God, that always strikes fear in the hearts of men. Just the mere thought of purchasing property next door, spending money, how are we going to pay for it? How's that going to be done? It strikes fear in our hearts, does it not? Taking such a step. But Moses did not allow fear to deter him from obedience. In Hebrews 11 and verse 27, the Bible says that by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. And oh, did he have to endure? He endured as seeing him who is invisible. The Proverbs tell us in Proverbs 29 and verse 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. 
The fear of man is what puts you in danger. But trusting in God is what brings you to safety. David's fears. You say, well, these weren't necessarily the fears of David. They were the fears of his men. Yes, but if you read the Psalms, you're going to find many times that David feared. And I can just imagine David confidently going back to his men saying, all right, fellas, God's told me, yes, we're going up. And then they look at him and say, oh, no, we're not. As a pastor, maybe I've had a few of those days. And then you have to examine, well, did God really tell me that? And so we see that David did something that we all must do. Notice it, if you would, please, in verse 4. Then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him. What a blessing. And he said, Arise, go down to Keilah. And then he adds a little something to it. I think it gave I, I think it gave David just the assurance and confidence he needed. I think it gave David just what he needed to go back to those men and say, Hey, fellas, yeah, God wants us to go. Here's what he said. For I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. Oh, listen, you're no match. You're no match for those Philistines, no doubt about it. But you, you have something they don't have. You have me. You know, we have something the world doesn't have. We have Jesus. I will never leave thee, he said, nor forsake thee. He said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. I mean, wherever we go and for however long this thing lasts, <laughs> until Jesus comes, he said, I'm going to be with you. I tell you, sometimes I, I just I have to admit this. I, I see what is happening in our world, and, and I see the hostility growing against the truth of God and God's church, and, and, and I see all of the direction this thing's going in, and you do too. You're discerning people. And if I'm not careful, I can have my heart filled and flooded with fear. And I have to remind myself of what God said in his word. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We know how this thing will end, do we not? King Jesus is coming again. And he will rule and reign on this earth. And he will bring an end to Satan and all the adversaries of God. We're on the winning side. And may we be reminded and be encouraged. And when David's men heard this truth, when David heard this truth, what did it do? It ignited the fire of faith in their hearts. And may God help us to be people of faith, believing and trusting God that wherever he sends us and whatever he has for us, if it's to go to our neighbors next door, if it is to move forward as a church family, whatever it is that God has for us in these dark days, let me just say this to you, that God will deliver us. He is with us. We see David's faith. Fourthly, we see David's fight. There's a battle. There's a battle to be fought. And David goes to fight it with his men. Look in verse 5. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. We know who literally did it. It was the Lord, right? 
But David went and did the job that Saul refused to do. He fought for the people, and God delivered him. David's fight. Do you know that we are engaged in a fight every day? It's a struggle, isn't it? Sometimes it's a struggle just to get to church because our flesh resists the Spirit and the things of God. It's a struggle to pray. It's a struggle to witness. There's lots of other things that we'd rather be doing. It's a struggle to get in the Bible and get along with God and let God speak to your heart. That's a struggle. It's a struggle to avoid temptation in the snares of the devil when there's so many all around us and, and they come to us in so many ways. Uh, and, and that thing that we carry around with us 24-7, it's a fight. The Bible tells us in this chapter that Saul sought David every day. And I want to tell you that every day we have an adversary, the devil, who is seeking us, who wants to discourage us, who's working against us. Now, how shall we respond? Not by surrender, but by fighting. We resist the devil. We fight the good fight of faith. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, fight. Don't give up. As Paul was pinning his final words, what did he say to Timothy? I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. In Jude, verse 3, the Bible said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. We live in an era of capitulation to the secularism of this age. We live in an era where people are seeking to blend the message of the gospel with the message of this world to make it more palatable. What they are doing is they're exchanging the truth of God for a lie. They're bringing corruption into God's church that will do damage and harm. I want to say to you, there is a battle that we must wage, a battle for truth. And there's a battle that takes place in your home, sir, a battle for your marriage. Are you willing to fight? A battle for the souls and minds of your children. Are you willing to fight? Or do you just allow the enemy to roam through and rob your threshing floor? I want to tell you, there's something to fight for. May God help us to fight. May God renew that flame within our hearts. David's fight. I got good news for you. Remember what the Lord told him. I'm with you. I'm going to deliver you. And friends, we know that God is with us. And that we do not have the power in ourselves. The power is of God. And the victory has already been won in Jesus Christ. All I must do is in obedience and in faith live in the reality of that victory and the experience of that victory will be mine. That leads us to a last thing. We've seen David's foes, the Philistines. We've seen the fears. We've seen David's faith when God spoke to him. And then we saw that he was willing to engage in the fight all because he inquired of the Lord. But then we see another thing, and that's David's flight. 
It's his flight. It means he ran, he fled, he escaped. Now, why would a brave warrior with an army of 600 who had just defeated the Philistines and a promise that God was with him, why in the world would he run? Well, we're going to find out there are times when we need to run. So let's look at it, verse number 8. And Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring hither the ephod. Now the Bible tells us in in verse number 6 it is, uh, that when Abiathar escaped uh, from Doeg, that he had come with the ephod in his hand. The ephod is the linen garment that the priests would wear. And in that garment, stones were embroidered or weaved into that garment. And there was stones called the Urim and the Thummim. I don't exactly know how all of this worked, but when, when the priests would inquire before the Lord, the, the stones on the breastplate of the ephod uh, would, would lighten or, or be more bright, rather, uh, and God would reveal his will through those stones. And so Abiathar had brought this ephod, this garment with the stones that would reveal once God was, once he inquired of the Lord, God would reveal through the brightness of the stones his answer. I don't think it's important that we get preoccupied with that garment or that ephod necessarily. I think what is important for us to note is that there was a way, a form of communication between God and his people. And Abiathar had brought this garment. By the way, let me just say this to you today. There's a form of communication between God and his people. It is the word of God. We have the revealed word of God. Everything God wants us to know about him is contained in the pages of his word. And we can know the will of God and the mind of God because the mind of God is expressed in the word of God. And and so we can read the word of God and some things are made abundantly clear to us. We also have the witness of the spirit within us. He's our teacher. He's our comforter. He reproves and convicts us. He, he, he gives us peace when we're doing right. He brings conviction upon us when we're doing wrong. We need to learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to listen to the Word of God as God speaks to us. And then we have a method to communicate to Him. We can bow and come into his presence, into his throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, that we may find grace to help in the time of need. That means 24-7, 365. There's no time that I can't come to God. So David said, bring hither the ephod. Now, perhaps, humanly speaking, David would have been justified if he said, you know what, I've had enough of this guy. I've done nothing but good for him. That lazy rascal didn't even come down here to defend this city. Now he wants to come and destroy it because I'm here. I'm sick of him. God's rejected him. I might as well take care of him. I I might as well take up this sword and put an end to all of this. You see, while the Philistines were the natural enemies of the people of God, Saul was not David's enemy. 
Saul counted David as his enemy, but David did not count Saul as his. We'll read in chapter 24 how that David had opportunity to take the life of Saul, but refused to do so. You see, David could have taken matters into his own hands, but he refused to do that. Why? Because he had inquired of the Lord. And he understood, it's not important what I want in this moment. It is important that I know what God wants in this moment. And he knew that Saul was the anointed of the Lord. Yes, Saul was wrong. Yes, Saul was the rejected king. But Saul was in place. And it was not David's responsibility to put an end to Saul. It was David's responsibility to trust in God. Are you dealing with someone who's betrayed you, who's hurt you, who's harmed you? And oh, how you'd like to take the sword. But there are times we must learn that the real work must not be done by us at our hand. It can only be done by God and his hand. And so David said, bring the ephod. And David asked the Lord, look in verse 10, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant has certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Think of that. Saul was going to destroy the city of Keilah just to get to David. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then said David, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. What a wonderful picture of Jesus who came to die for sinful men made the payment for their iniquity, knowing full well that they would deliver him up. The Lord said, yes, yes, David, they will deliver you up. Verse 13, then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. Hey, let's fight. No, no, we're not going to fight. We're going to get out of here. Well, this, this is an opportunity. You could put this thing to an end right here. No, no, too much, too much damage. There's a lot of servants of Saul who are oppressed, and they need an opportunity, and I, I don't want to be the man that puts them to death. If I'm the anointed king, which he was, I'm going to rule over that tribe of Benjamin one day. And I don't want to do damage to them. I want to give them an opportunity to repent, and I want to see God do some. I think about how many churches over the years have experienced heartache and, and, and church splits and hardships because of the pride in the hearts of the congregation and, and, and disagreements and dissension that has come. It could have been avoided. It could have been avoided. 
if we'd inquired of the Lord. There's, there's problems in your home today that could have been avoided. There are problems in relationships that could be avoided if we'll learn to trust God and follow him, if we'll learn who the real enemy is. It's not people. It's Satan. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. Notice what happened here in the close of verse 13. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah, and he forbore to go forth. Saul said, I'm not even going to go. Think of all the innocent lives of Keilah that were spared that day because David said, I'm not going to fight Saul. I'm going to let God take care of him. I'll fight the enemy, but I'm not going to fight Saul and his men. I think David made a pretty wise decision, don't you? Where'd that wisdom come from? It came from the heart of one who learned to inquire of the Lord. Some of you, you're sitting on, I mean, you're sitting on the edge of your seat right now and you're ready to push the decision button. You, you, you've been dealing with something and you're sick of it and you're ready, to, you're just ready to act. Inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Some of you uh, have, have, have grown complacent. You're full of fear. And by the way, when I say some of you, I mean all of us, okay? you know who the, 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 the main object of, of my sermons are? Me. Gripped with fear. How in the world can we do that? I mean, the enemy's too great. I would just trust God and go forward in faith. Where does that faith come from? It comes from the heart that has learned to inquire of the Lord. Man, I'm getting weary in the fight. I mean, this thing is hard. Inquire of the Lord. How do I know what to avoid and what to flee? Inquire of the Lord, and he will answer you. Call unto me, and I will. Say it with me. Answer thee. Do you believe that? Then let's do it. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.